0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Jameer Smith show. Welcome back everyone to 2020. It's interesting that we say welcome back to 2020 because we're actually in 2021. And I really do feel like 2021 is starting off as a remix of 2020 and it's really like watching a real life horror movie. But I knew that I needed to bring someone on the show. And prior to the new season premiering for season three on the 11th of January, I knew that I had to make an episode before then with everything that's happening in DC, everything that's really happening all over the world. I had to take this time to bring on someone that is a really close friend of mine. He is a doctor. He is a person that is an innovator. He's a creator but he's doing some really amazing things in diversity and inclusion. Everyone, the Jameer Smith Show listeners, please put your hands together for Dr. Josh Swan. How are you?
1: Hey, Jameer, I'm wonderful. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I wanted this interview to really highlight This Is America. And in this interview, I really wanted us to discuss Really, three main topics. And first, the chaos that's happened and that has really been happening in Washington, D.C. I also wanted to talk about election 2020 and I guess really election 2021. Mm -hmm. And lastly, I wanted to touch on the future of democracy.
1: Right. Right. Like our founding fathers said, well, America's founding fathers, we have a democracy if you can keep it. So <laughs> I think that we're seeing that, um, yeah, the, the, certainly the country is being tested in ways that have been seen before. Yeah. Certainly there's nothing new under the sun, but um, yeah, there's a lot going on. But I think that ultimately America is just showing her true colors. And that's the unfortunate reality.
0: And it really is, and I think you know. I really want to date back, um, if we shall, you know. I, I thought about this whenever we discussed having a conversation, really, you know, a few months ago, and I really wanted to bring you on the show then, but I felt that the energy was going to be needed at the beginning of the year. And when I think about the brutality um, around, I believe what it was, it May twenty fifth of the cl- the killing of George Floyd. You know it really produced an outpouring of national and global protest and really with the ongoing public reckoning of black lives matter how do you feel that there were three major topics that really went on with black lives matter and that entire movement what do you think that really meant for you
1: well the black lives matter movement for me has been um really important to society. Uh, I think that, you know, like all movements, uh, you can date it back all the way to slavery and the slave rebellion. Anytime in this country and the world, but furthermore, this country, uh, that there's an attempt to have progress, not equality, but just progress it's met with great resistance i think that's we're seeing that on full display with the events at the u.s capitol this week um but nevertheless we persist and we have to continue to persist and have the conversations and engage in civil disobedience and um truly let the world know that black lives do matter um and, and, not, and be relentless in having that conversation. So for me, the movement has been a, a critical part of our history and our story, and we have to continue to push and push and push. And so I hope to see us continue to gain traction and momentum and keep that same energy because uh, these systems that exist in the United States, the systemic racism um, is something that has to be dismantled. I think ultimately the idea of racism as a spectrum is a matter of the heart, right? Um, That's people's outlook and how they see the world. And I don't know. That that's something that we can change, right. but we can certainly change um, how to navigate the system and ensure an equitable experience for for Black folks in this country.
0: Absolutely, and you know, and I think you you touched on something really about the chaos in D.C. And I really want to talk about that. You know, if we can think about really the longest and the ugliest presidential election in modern American history. Really reached a formal conclusion with a joint session yesterday, formally certifying the presidential election on January 6th. That did not end until 339 this morning, which is January the 7th. And after a mob invaded the Capitol building, it really delayed the proceedings for hours. What are your what are your thoughts behind that?
1: I think that it's very unfortunate. And what makes it unfortunate is that i'm not surprised jameer yeah it's not surprising at all um again you know i'm a firm believer in there's nothing new under the sun the same way we had protests in the 60s and 70s and there have been movements this is the iteration of those movements for the gen z and millennial generation um so i'm not surprised and it, it is unfortunate that white supremacy And uh, the idolization of whiteness exists in the very fabric of this country and the hearts and minds of 74 million people that had the audacity um, to pretty much tell the country that they own the place and that they can walk into the Capitol and interrupt. Um, what is really just a formal process of certifying the election, counting the votes, that's really all that process is. Uh, You know, our elections in the United States are ran by each individual state with their own election laws. And ultimately that ceremony was just supposed to be that. Saying it out loud, counting the votes, and here we go. So the fact that it went until 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, like you and so many others, stayed up to see that moment happen and yeah. see that process through uh, because we have to continue to be woke and, and persist. Um, but I'm not surprised that it was met with such resistance because ultimately in the hearts and minds of those who you know, support Donald Trump and his ideology, they really see progress and equity and um, black and brown people being in spaces and places that they feel that they should solely occupy as somehow being against whiteness. And that's Mm. the unfortunate part.
0: That is extremely unfortunate. And I think about, you know, something that uh, Vice President Mike Pence said yesterday, uh, you know, once the gaveling in the session had ended and he started to say that this was a very dark day in the history of the United States Capitol and to those who wrecked havoc in our Capitol today, you did not win. He also said that violence never wins, freedom wins, and this is still the people's house. When you think about what what Mike Pence said versus the response of Donald Trump, how do you feel about the two separate conversations?
1: yeah well certainly one being uh, mike pence was more politically correct but you know if we're going to tell the entire story mike pence is complicit in uh the maga folks the the terrorist behavior because he has supported and enabled that for years so certainly at the most important moment when it came to uh overseeing the electoral college um, ceremony and um, understanding that the attack on the U.S. Capitol was un-American. He did show up to maintain some degree of civility, but you know, for me, the entire Republican Party, the entire GOP are all complicit in what brought this behavior to the head. Yeah, uh, to, get, to see it to get to the point of boiling over, they're absolutely complicit. So I, I really see It Donald Trump and Mike Pence is bad and worse. Okay, Okay. So We're met with. Yes, Mike Pence, you know, was able to maintain some degree of order, but he certainly is not innocent in any of this either.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and it's interesting because I had this conversation with a couple of friends of mine about, you know, what does democracy look like now? And, you know, what can political theory tell us about the relationship between democracy and protest?
1: Well, they should go hand in hand. Right. We have our, our, our First Amendment rights to peacefully protest because democracy is a government of the people designed by the people if the people elect you know, our representatives to, to fight on our behalf. But I think when we we really get to the, the root of everything, it's the people's understanding that democracy includes everyone. Right. Correct. It's not certain people's democracy. And what we've seen over the course of this election cycle through you know, the Trump administration, Trump campaign, challenging the, uh, the results of the elections, time and time again, committing crimes, pressuring the Secretary of State in Georgia, calling for the governor of Georgia to resign, um, is really that it's only democracy if it works in white folks' favor. Mm, okay that's democracy works um there have been so many tactics done by the gop i mean we can trace it back years and, and generations with the southern strategy that the gop has attempted to and successfully let's let's face it successfully uh disenfranchised black and brown voters and uh, you know we have to really thank our our great champion and black sister Stacey, Stacey abrams, abrams. For yeah taking on that fight to create a fair fight. And I think that when we look at what has been such a dark period, really um, in American history, what we can take away is that, that the, the light at the end of the tunnel is that look what happens when we do come together. Right. Look what happens when we persist. Look at what happens when we coalesce and we find ways to work together. We were able to overcome what no one thought that we could, which was have the Democratic Party take the U.S. Senate. Right. And so now I think for, for me, you know, as a, a social scientist and a political scholar, I now look to the Biden administration. And a, as a black person, I think that it's it's time for us to make some demands. Yeah. We got Joe Biden to the White House. Maintained a blue Congress for him to see his agenda through. So now it's time for us to make some demands. Uh, you know, Frederick Douglass uh, famously said that power concedes nothing without a demand. So it's now up to us to see the, a new day is coming on January 20th. And what do we want this to look like? Because this can't be the same Democratic administration that we've seen time and time again, where it's better than Donald Trump, but doesn't exactly look like equity or uh, equality. Gotcha. We have to meet some demands. We have to be the generation that says we, we want more for us. We want equality. We want representation. And we want to be able to live in this country that we built safely. Yeah. With all of the, the rights and, and privileges that every other person is entitled to.
0: So let's let's highlight Stacey Abrams for a quick second. Um, I would like to definitely salute Stacey Abrams for Yes Really being the highlight of 2020 and 2021 For literally making our voices count How important do you think the Georgia runoff race was?
1: Oh, it's, it's critically important. And and to your point, Stacey Abrams has really been such a champion. And when you think about her own story, right, losing the the Georgia governor's race in 2018, and, and she persisted. She continued to fight. She she recognized that she may have lost because of the system, but she didn't lose in spirit. Right, And correct. she continued to coalesce and, and get more folks registered to vote. So I think that Um, It goes to show the case in Georgia, the fact that the Democratic Party, which is where most black folks are, which is why we need to make some demands of them. (laughs) Um, But what we've seen in Georgia with Joe Biden taking the presidency and now uh, Georgia ultimately flipping the Senate to the Democratic Party uh, to to be controlled by the Democratic Party is that the South is not... um, Republican the South is suppressed wow so what happens when we as a people and and not just black people but brown folks and our allies in the in the white community us that that want to march towards a more perfect union that we're all equal we're different but we're equal and we can do more together than we can separate when all of us come together Under that premise and that mentality, we can shake up this entire country. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. I I want us to now talk about election 2020 and 2021, unfortunately. Um, We think about how important the Georgia Senate runoff is and was for us. But then you talked about something earlier about making demands to follow up, follow up really on that matter. Let's talk about voting. What message do you really have for people who feel that neither party really represented or cared about them?
1: Well, absolutely. And, you know, for me, you know, I I am certainly someone that I have a bit more of the Malcolm X mentality, if you will. (laughs) Um, So I'm all about a revolution. But, you know, again, we, we do need to make some demands. I think that you know, this is a two party system in the United States when we're looking at our elections. So, if black folks specifically go and separate, that doesn't really help okay. because ultimately the numbers aren't in our favor when we're looking at just sheer demographics. So, we have to be able to build coalitions, which is ultimately the world that we want to see.
0: Okay.
1: Anyway, so. Um, Uh, History has shown that neither party has really done us great. It's just one is better than the other. Okay. (laughs) So I think that what we have to challenge ourselves with is to, one, faith without works is dead. So if you're not active, you shouldn't complain. Got it. So we as a people, and again, as a people talking about all those who are marching towards equality and, and a more perfect union, we have to be able to ensure that we're participating in voting. And then now since the election has been certified and is over, that we, we follow up. You're getting involved in your local uh, local delegation. Because frankly, most of what affects our daily lives is is our local politics, not necessarily the federal. And that we are also holding our representatives accountable. If someone ran on a platform that made you go circle in their name on that ballot, follow up on what they're doing in Congress. I think that we have to, we see, you know, over the course of the last year with all all of the suffering that's happening in the country with the pandemic and that there was such an exorbitant amount of time that we paid our congressional delegations one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in taxpayer dollars just to have them sit back and debate if we should get any money, any
0: money at all, six hundred, six yeah. hundred, I mean,
1: and two thousand is apparently supposed to be like oh, just so amazing <laughs> <when> written, <laughs> that money is our money. You're just giving it back to us, so. You know, people have to be able to break things down and and make it plain, and understand exactly how government works, and that a democracy is made. A democracy is only successful when people participate. Yeah. So again, we cannot complain if we don't participate. And I think, you know, as a takeaway of this last election cycle and all that we're going through, right? Just because we turned the page into twenty twenty one, we're still kind of faced with many of the same challenges. Is that when we show up? We get things done. So I, I it is my greatest hope that we continue to hold our representatives accountable, that we're understanding who we're putting in office, what they're saying they're going to deliver. And if that really aligns with our values. And if it doesn't, then we need to we need more people to step up and run for office and make things happen.
0: How beautiful was that? And I really thought about something as you were talking. And this is actually not even, you know, one of my bullet points for This conversation, I thought about how in tuned we all have been within this last election cycle with the news. And it's such a beautiful conversation that everyone has been having, whether good, whether bad. It has still created the conversation. And I can say that is one thing Donald Trump did do (laughs) for everyone is to allow everyone to stay informed of what is going on and what you need to do to make a difference or to not make a difference. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on reform versus defunding versus abolishing the police? And do you think that reform is even possible? <gasps> wow. <laughs> The listeners, hold on, uh, wait, 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 wait. The listeners love when I ask those questions and you guys say, "Woo!" That means it's a question you gotta think about. I love it. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. um, For me, you know, um, you can't reform something that was never built to work for you. Okay. And so understanding history that the police system, when you look at government as a whole, right, we're going back to you know, Montesquieu, Locke, Hobbes, and how man is inherently bad and essentially needs to be controlled. The Federalist Papers. We can all Google, read, and understand what the history of our institutions are. So the history of the institution of policing in the United States stems from racism. Okay it's it's a it's a methodology of control. And so for me I am absolutely someone that is saying defund the police. Why? Because the police aren't working for the people. And so when we are talking about defunding, yes, that is also aka reimagining what policing looks like. Okay. Uh, that is an is a, it is a uh, it is an institution to support the community, not control the community. And that's what we need to reimagine policing to look like because ultimately crime happens when you keep people poor why do people steal because they don't have so once we improve the overall system of inequity close the wealth gap give people access and opportunity you will see less crime which will then result in less police brutality Um, so we really need to hold our Institutions accountable to reimagining uh, what policing looks like, and absolutely defund and rebuild what policing looks like in the United States and our communities. Hmm. I, I love
0: that answer. You know, it's interesting. I, I talked to a few people a few weeks ago about how do they feel about reform, and they actually gave somewhat of the same answer. Interesting. You know, women have historically been and they really continue to be and perceived as the cultural and moral anchors of our communities. Congratulations to Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, and I think about other women that are really making their marks in history. Why do you think women are playing such a key role in today's movements?
1: Well, um, you know, for me, I would say I absolutely congratulate Ms. Harris on the accomplishment and for breaking that barrier. Right. Um, I, I'm someone that I, I'm not doing backflips about Kamala Harris <laughs> okay. um, as a whole, um, but I appreciate what she represents in terms of the movement and progress. Um, particularly with women, I think that, like any suffrage, when you're a, a people, Uh, whether that's by gender, by race, by ethnicity. um, Eventually, you want to know why the world don't look like you. Mm. And so Mm. I think we're seeing that as a collective, particularly with the women's movement, that, you know, women are stepping up in breaking barriers because there's no reason why we as a a, a country uh, have put barriers in terms of access and opportunity for women and so I think that women have a a natural ability to um, build and coalesce with people because you know whether that's just a a, a genetics thing that women are more intuitive or whatever that looks like Uh, you know women are, ca- are absolutely capable of leading and are showing us that. and what happens when you marry the skills of leadership, which are some are innate and some can be taught, coupled with emotional intelligence? Wow, uh, what does that? Wow. Mean?
0: So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I think that we're seeing that, and you know, I absolutely support my sisters. I-, I love to see all people represented because when we all come together, whether it's male, female, black, white, Indigenous, immigrant, native, whomever you are, if we all hold hands together, wow, what can we do? We can do well, it When we all. think about progress and community rather than division.
0: And I think that's what I appreciate and hopefully will appreciate about this this coming, you know, um, place of where we're moving towards with the different faces that we will see in congress i hope that people are able to see themselves and i hope that people will be able to see you know an avenue for themselves for the future and i think about you know really what did this election mean for congress but also the states and the republican and the democratic parties and do you feel that the future of american politics has changed
1: I think that the future of American po- politics is dependent on the future of us as, a, as humanity, okay. because that's going to shape what our, our political lives look like. Are uh, what what do we want ultimately? Our our lives, our the next generation, and what do we want the world to look like? It's so interesting because oftentimes when I engage and in interface with people, politics is is so often seen as a controversial topic, and I, and I tell them. Politics is not. Politics is merely just how you see the world. Mm. And so I think that as we have, you know, more folks like the squad stepping up and breaking barriers and telling us what we can be versus what we can't, we just really have to continue to shift the mindset. You know, systemic change will only happen when you ultimately face the system first before you change. Yeah. You have to understand that everything is a system and it's also a spectrum so when we have the gop saying oh no we can't with 2000 well why can't we you just have to reprioritize and reallocate funds because that's what politicians do they just manage budgets there's a big pool of money called taxpayer dollars what do we want to fund so we as a people decide that you know what Community and education is more valuable than defense. Yes, we need defense. We, we know it's crazy folks overseas looking to do all types of craziness in this world. Absolutely. But the ratio of spending, we need to fund back and to uplift people rather than creating a narrative of fear. Yeah. Because fear is a narrative. And I, I wrote about it. So anyone that's interested can check out some of my academic work. But as we have to be able to change the narrative and the system, and that will ultimately affect our political life and understand that in a democracy, we create the future. We dictate what that looks like. Absolutely. So let's get involved and let's make it happen.
0: And let's make it happen. And now I really wanted to end with the future of democracy. How is it different growing up being black in America, Josh?
1: Oh my God, it's. <laughs> um, growing up being black in America, yeah, we see, I, I think being black specifically, and then I'll even, you know, black is a, the diaspora is one thing, being African American. I think that that's a whole nother reckoning that we're having as a culture. Um, being African American growing up in America, you see African American America, which is disenfranchised underserved uh not enjoying the privileges controlled by the police um i, I think you know just this week alone or, or what we've seen it happened at the u.s capitol and in our white counterparts being escorted down the steps of the capitol sitting at nancy pelosi's desk just you know just ushering in we don't see that america we don't see that privilege and that access or that audacity mm. and so what i challenge us to do in looking at democracy and black life in America is to see, be, speak, and become the America that we know we deserve, that we built, and that we are going to live in. Wow You have to be the ones to break the barriers and change at some point you have to change the narrative. Yes, we've been oppressed. Yes, we need reparations. We never got that 40 acres and a mule. We are the descendants of slaves and we are ultimately systemically set back along this you know fair fight and, and capitalism and chasing up the mountain. But now we have to be able to change the narrative and say that this is unacceptable. And I think that today, now that we've seen you know the the trump supporters and 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 those who participated in in all of the unrest um, at the capitol, it's it's on the world stage. So now we have corroborating evidence, yeah.
0: And it it really was
1: America on trial.
0: better. And it's crazy because, you know, I'm one of the people that have not been able to sleep. And as you said, you know, at the edge of our seats last night, waiting on the certifications to be completed. And, you know, I thought about something as we were talking about, you know, really setting up this interview is, you know, what do you believe the historical in the current context with regards of other forms of oppression, such as like class and gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, etc., really for the issue at the structural and institutional and interpersonal levels.
1: Well, you know, I think that what we've seen in society, we we can even look at, you know, I'm a member of the LGBT community as well. And we've seen in many ways more progress with that community than we have the black community, because ultimately America is not, you know, America and its systems and and beliefs and and the way that society navigates certainly upholds white supremacy, particularly white male. But it's true it is that, but let's call a state a state that it's anti-black. Mm. So yes, those other groups are marginalized, women, LGBTQ, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But until we deal with the original sin, which is anti-blackness, we will never see true change and true equality. Wow and so I, I just continue to to push and challenge us to address anti blackness because what society, our politics, what we've seen throughout the world, uh, or throughout history, I'm sorry, is that we will see progress with women we will see progress with LGBTQ, we will see progress across the many spectrums of underrepresented and underserved communities but yet the glacial pace of progress happens with black folks.
0: When I think about what's next for you and all of the phenomenal accomplishments that you've been able to encounter, you know, what do you think your long-term equality goal is as it relates to the issues that are in place?
1: I think it's, what is my goal? My goal, I think I'm a, you know, I'm a believer and I know that the war is really in the mind. So for me, it's it's shifting the mindset to be that one of abundance and equity and equality. So uh, what I see the future looking like is feeding our souls, our community and what we can be versus teaching what we can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I really looked at so many of the issues with police, police brutality and, and so many folks that have been talking to journalists, et cetera. And it's, you know. When you're young and you're black, you got to have the birds and bees conversation. Then you got to have the conversation about how bad the world's going to treat you. And yes, that has been the case. But now let's change the narrative. If we're going to look forward, we use history to inform the future and to understand where we've been and to not be surprised. But let's also start teaching our young people and our future generations and telling them what they can be versus what they can't telling them what they can do versus what they won't yeah telling them who they are called to be versus who they're not going to become because of a system we have to be able to change the narrative practice group economics there's so many things that we can do to achieve more and be more and that's you know that's ultimately what i'm focused on is changing the narrative changing the mindset and Marching to the future and asking people to the left and right of us, are y'all coming along? Because we're going to go either way.
0: (laughs) And as we continue to move forward, I really want to thank you for really just taking this time out to really just have this conversation. And I think that it was definitely necessary for the listeners to really hear, you know, really the future of what's happening, what's currently going on and how they can be a part of the cause and I really want to thank you for just your voice. I want to thank you for just your education. And I want to thank you just for your purpose.
1: Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate um, the invite to join your incredible platform. Thank you. Um, it's, 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 it's As we reflect now being in 2021, I, I love the growth that I've been able to see in, in all of us, particularly you over the years. And I continue to wish you much success and all of your, listeners and followers you know abundance is on the way better is always coming trouble does not la- does not last always that part so, and as it's a, a rainbow at the end of the storm and let's believe that it's gonna come
0: absolutely and as he just said you guys that is the name of his instagram so i want everyone to make sure that you take an opportunity and check out his instagram again it is abundance of rain and again dr josh swan you know there was something that i'm gonna end with and your Instagram really does tell your story. And I will say that on his bio, it says, reading Rainbow, which if you know him, you know he reads extremely well, but two, making smart, cool again, being a believer, pro-equality, being disruptive, a truth teller, and always believing in the culture. So again, Josh, thank you so much for being a part of the show being a part of the conversation. And again, Josh, thank you so much for entering into 2021 as we continue to try and stay safe. I'm sending out all of my love to you and yours. And again, thank you so much. Thank you. Be blessed.